Well, good morning, everybody. I know I look a little bit nicer than normal today. Don't get don't get carried away. This isn't going to be a new thing. <clears throat> I'm just uh, I have something I'm doing today, so I'm dressed up for it. But uh, I thought I was going to do this yesterday. Ran out of time. Got a little pulled up with all the craziness going on with HV208, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but I wanted to just kind of go over impeachment. I haven't really talked to you guys since uh, impeachment was dismissed, uh, not dismissed, sorry, not recommended. Um, and we'll talk about kind of what that means, where we go from here, um, and everything else. So first, you know, there's, let, let me put a disclaimer on this so people know, and, and, and anybody who's around me knows, and, and, you know, I don't think any, anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, if, if they feel differently about it, but I don't think we ever said it was a for sure thing. We knew it was a shot in the dark, kind of a. At one point, uh, I think it raised as high as fifty-fifty in my mind when he was obstructing the impeachment committee. And right after we had dropped off two hundred eighty thousand petitions, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's getting up there around fifty-fifty. Um, but honestly, I did not <clears throat> super expect it to go through, especially not after I started getting clued in on what the GOP's overall plan is. So what we'll do is we'll just kind of talk about what the impeachment committee did, what it means moving forward, <clears throat> and then why they did it. And I think what um, is most, I guess, maddening, saddening, upsetting uh, about the process is, is I guarantee you in that room um, there was more votes probably because – of, well, you know, what we're dealing with, more votes for the impeachment of Daniel Cameron, who was facing impeachment only under, um, because he, quote-unquote, misled a grand jury, which there was already a mechanism in place for that, like, right away, where if they were upset, they could have followed. Uh, then there was for the, there's more votes for Daniel Cameron to be impeached, probably, than there was for Annie Bashir, who literally did break the law. Even in their findings, they didn't say he didn't break the law. Let's, let's remember, guys, that when somebody says Annie Bashir did not break the law, they are lying to you. If anybody says that online, uh, nobody agrees with that. Uh, Andy Bashir doesn't agree with it. Um, the treasurer doesn't agree with it. The auditor doesn't agree with it. Not even the impeachment committee agrees with it. They admit, yeah, he broke the law, but... We don't know if his law-breaking rose to impeachable offense, which, like I said, we'll talk about here in a second. But the most important thing um, you got to remember uh, as we go through this um, and as we talk about it, this isn't really – we knew it was a shot in the dark, right? You take a shot at the king, uh, you know, you're probably going to miss. Um, long shot, it was just, you know, three people, four people at first, and then three. Long story there, maybe one day I'll talk about that. But – um, three people that, you know, said, hey, let's, let's see what we can do here to, to do something uh, a little bit different. So um, basically what they came back with is they, they asked the governor for more information. So what they had done is, is they said to the governor, hey, we want to see all the communications uh, between yourself and, um, and, and KSP about the church ban. So for people to understand fully what the church ban was is 
people what what happened there in that case is that people showed up to uh, um, church on Easter. They went to church and they um, walked in to church on on Easter, a, a, a nice time. And then when they walked back out of church, there were notices and, and forms stuck to their windshield stating that um, they were to self, that their, their license plate had been wrote down. They were to quarantine themselves in their home. And they were to, um, that the health department was going to show up with self-quarantining forms that they had to sign. That was the, the major thing that we were kind of zeroing in on. And, and you know, you don't have to be a great legal scholar to know in the um, state of Kentucky uh, you cannot, cannot, uh, anywhere in America, you cannot um, arrest people for going to church. Like, that is just, like, not allowed. That's kind of like a thing. We're kind of known for our religious freedoms. Um, it's just, like, not a thing to get to be arrested for going to church. So, um, what we saw instead was the... Um, they asked for more communications about it because the other thing regarding this particular issue was that the um, gentleman in that case, the, the, the Rodney Brewer, the KSP guy, had reportedly told, and this is what the communications show, he'd communicate with the governor's office saying this is a First Amendment rights violation, and they said we don't care, do it anyway. So what's, what's important there is um, in their findings, there's going to be, we're going to talk about what it means to have a good faith um, a good faith violation of the Constitution. Because when, in their findings, what they said was, is, yeah, Governor Bashir uh, broke the Constitution. Obviously, people do it, break laws and constitutions when they're in office all the time on accident because they don't know what they're doing or what have you. And in this case, it was a, a good faith, a good faith, um, a, a good faith breaking of the Constitution. The problem is, is, is if he was told this is a First Amendment's rights violation and then he does it anyways, the claim of it being good faith is harder to come by. You can't claim it's good faith. And so that was what was worth investigation. And it is their job to investigate. So they say, well, we dismiss it because there's not enough evidence. You didn't even call the witnesses to find out whether or not it really was a good faith uh, investigation. Or I'm sorry, good faith um, um infringement on individuals uh um first amendment's rights so um when you go through it and you break it down like that <clears throat> it certainly seems like uh they just didn't want to keep going through it and the reason why they didn't want to keep going through and dealing with it is is quite frankly uh rpk republican party of kentucky kind of likes Bashir in place so rpk um and some of the leadership there have a kind of a, a plan of sorts of how to, um, in 2023, get control of all three branches of government and to be able to make great, great changes. And of course, we all know that um, if we leave the kinds of people that could see somebody um, breaking the Constitution and failing like this and hurting people and trading lives away like this, that you would um, see that they're probably not the kinds of people we necessarily want to have control over. Sorry, my glasses were a little dirty. Um, we want to have uh, control over everything. And, and, and as I stated 
the other day on my Facebook page. Um, if you like the party platform, don't leave the party. Replace the people uh, leading it by becoming involved. And we'll talk about that here in a second. So, but their grand plan, and, and this is what you're going to see. I guarantee you, I can't guarantee it, but 50-50 shot after this, you'll see a committee created to investigate the misgivings of Annie Bashir. I, I almost guarantee it because because one they got to be the knights in shining armor they got to come through and save everything and so they're not going to um, necessarily let citizens impeachment handle it so what's the grand plan here well the grand plan here um is to uh lee Bashir in there because they want to run against him in 23 because he's so unlikable um make the judges partisan so that way they can replace the judges in 22 on the courts with judges that are republicans and by making them partisan are under party control which you know i don't know how i feel about making them partisan or not um three they then in in 23 uh would they want to maintain their house and senate majorities which they will if bashir stays in they believe they believe in 22 they'll be able to replace the judges with their own judges that are part of the party infrastructure and party leadership and then in 23 they can run a governor um they'll they'll win against annie bashir and come 2024 um <clears throat> the year 2024 they will have uh control of the house the senate the uh, judicial branch and <clears throat> the executive branch and they can solve all the world's problems except i think we've learned that if you can't stand by your principles when you get into power you don't actually do any of the things you say you're going to do so what's my evidence that this is their grand plan well let's look at who the committee was okay and i don't care about who the democrats are but let's talk about the four republicans all right you have susan miles which is the uh, majority caucus leader you had uh, Kim King, um, who we're going to come around to here in a second. You've got Ed Massey, and you've got uh, Jason Nemes. Now, Jason Nemes is in one of the more purple districts. His father is a senator, Senator Nemes. Um, that's something to keep in mind. Um, and so, you know, he's definitely more of an establishment individual. Um, he's not really a, a maverick, like you would say. Now, Ed Massey, on the other hand, uh, he used to be a Democrat. He switched over to Republicans so he could win races. And the problem with him sitting on the committee, especially that um, made it obvious as a kill committee, while he's sitting on a citizens impeachment committee, he introduces a bill to kill citizens impeachment, to make it not happen again. Now, do I think citizens impeachment's a good thing? I just took part in one. Um, I, you know, I think we all have a First Amendment right to redress. Personally, I'd prefer Kentucky has more of a recall type process. Um, I've heard detractors to that process say something. But if we had a 15% of the vote recall process, um, I think that would uh, get a little more ground. I think there has to be a way for us, the citizens of Kentucky, to remove a, a member of the executive branch you know or the legislator even for that matter without having to go through and get approval from um anybody who's sitting in office but ed massey introduced a bill it's sitting there that would take away citizens impeachment and basically treat it like any other bill where it has to be sponsored by a house rep um right now uh, house reps if they want to can offer articles of impeachment and and i know there's some that are thinking about it we'll kind of get into how we can encourage them to do that but <clears throat> on the same hand um if if right now it only takes one rep to put it in so essentially you're not giving the citizens a right to redress at all by changing that because because 
uh, that would be basically taking away a citizen's ability to impeach a um, member. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I that can't sit. We have to have a recall process or something um, because we cannot rely on our legislators to always do the right thing. In fact, adding in a recall process is a defense against violence in this country. And what I mean by that is, is the reason why I'm not an advocate for the violence like we saw uh, quite at the Capitol is because um, we do have a system of governments in this country. And I think what we're seeing more so is people not understanding how that governance works, taking part in it and then using it all. But listen, if, if, if we do X, Y, and Z first and everything else, we, we've been provided by our founding fathers. So we don't necessarily have to resort to violence, a way to work the system, to work for us. And, and we need to use those tools. And what I would like to see is is a recall process put in place and there is a bill out there to do that i'll update you guys on what that bill is and i'd be fine if we remove citizens impeachment replace it with recall however that is not what ed massey wants to do so while he's sitting on this committee he is sponsoring a bill to get rid of that committee i kid you not as well remember what i said about wanting to make the judges partisan guess who the sponsor is on the bill to make judges partisan Ed Massey, and I do believe, double check me here, uh, Kim King is as well. So as I talk about that grand plan of getting control of all three branches of government, you can be rest assured that that's kind of what they're planning based upon the fact of um, who's sponsoring what bills. And if you're watching that, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Now, what do we do about this? I, I, I personally don't care who's in power if you're not going to do the things we need you to do, right? And I think if we look back historically in this country federally or at the state level, when Republicans have had the opportunity to do things, it's not exactly like they have. So giving them power doesn't, giving the party power doesn't make as much sense if we're not going to do things with it. I would love nothing more than for the GOP to control all three branches of governments and to have people leading the GOP that are adhering to the party's platform strictly. And that's what we're striving for. Now, a lot of people, when they see something like the impeachment and see thousands upon thousands upon thousands and emails and calls, and you see something like what happened with HB 208 after receiving thousands upon thousands upon thousands of calls and emails, and we'll talk about HB 208 in a second, and they'll wonder, you know, well, they're not doing what we want them to do. And we can get to that at the end. Um, but with impeachment, what's the next steps? Well, what we need uh, you guys to do is email your representatives and say, reject the committee's recommendation. So all the committee does is make a recommendation to the House of whether or not to impeach or not to impeach. You can reject that recommendation. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to be impeached. However, there's something called a roll call vote. A roll call vote is where you have the House reps get on the record, all of them, on how they feel about an issue, which tells you how much support that issue has or doesn't have. And long, and long term, sorry, issue advocacy when you're trying to get a bill passed. So for an example, a bill I would really like to see passed would be something like a federal gun law nullification law, which basically says any federal laws regarding the Second Amendment would be nullified. And in fact, you can even put in laws to make it to where it, it will be illegal for you to hand over your weapon to a federal agent unless a sheriff is present because of the Tenth Amendment. And we've seen some other states put that in place, but that's besides the point. So that might be a law I would like to put in place. I might also like to put in a school choice law, and we can talk about schools here in a second. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, we can we can discuss school choice another day. Or I might want some sort of issue. 
The thing is, when it comes to long-term issue advocacy, an impeachment is just not a long-term issue advocacy. What it was was an opportunity and a shot in the dark for us to offer a lot of relief to a lot of people very quickly. And it was, a, like I said, it was a Hail Mary pass. It's not exactly like we planned on it succeeding with super high regard, though we poured a lot into it because we knew what was on the line. And if there's one in a million shot, which I believe it was actually better than that, then we'd actually like to be able to do something for the state and get something accomplished for the state one big grass so a lot of people see relief very quickly but <clears throat> that's not the case but like i said you can ask for a roll call vote on the issue this will get them on the record now like i said in long-term issue advocacy that's important to know which reps you 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 put pressure on which ones you don't which ones you remove which ones you don't things like that for impeachment why that's important is is so basically what will happen is is a a house member can say i move to reject the uh, committee's report and a second house member just has to second that motion and then that triggers a roll call vote where everybody votes on whether or not to accept or reject it if you see 30 40 house reps saying i want to reject this report that's an indication that there is 30 or 40 house reps in there that would support impeachment you can introduce articles of impeachment at any time they could do it right now if they wanted to as rep members so it's not like just because the citizens impeachment failed that the impeachment won't happen however it doesn't make sense for a house rep to do that if they don't think it's going to succeed because they use up the the good nature and everything else of it's long term but anyways um, if they know it's going to succeed or, or has some pretty good legs that the dog can hunt, they're way more likely to file. So by offering a roll call vote, if we see 30 or 40 votes, I'm sure we would see one of the wonderful champions of liberty drop some articles of impeachment now and, and actually use this golden opportunity for what it was. I mean, let's look at it. The Republican Party just had an opportunity, even if they didn't want to impeach, they just had an opportunity to throw Bashir on the record under oath to get him to testify about his executive orders, and they did not take advantage of it. And that's where I said, I'm sure you're going to see a committee formed to investigate Bashir, maybe this year, maybe next year, but just to investigate him, just to keep digging up this dirt, because one, it's in the Republican Party's best interest, because it allows them to continue and maintain power, but additionally, because um they it's it's there's a lot more there um you know i i know house reps know a lot more is there than what's out in the open and into the public um we are aware of a lot more that's out and open into the public and they're going to start digging it up because they know it's out there now um so um that roll call vote can happen then they know and then they can file articles and see uh that it gets some support so that's the the kind of the hope there so the biggest thing to do is to right now on impeachment if you want to see impeachment occur um email your house reps and say reject the committee's report and of of non-impeachment reject that committee's report on Andy Bashir, and and that way we can trigger a roll call vote on the issue uh to see what we have support wise on that so we know we can push forward the issue now that is the impeachment side of things let's talk about hb 208 so when hb 208 was dropped let, let let's understand the problems that schools are facing since february 1st of so for the last 25 days schools have been in violation of the law there is a krs statute that requires schools to be in person uh to do in-person instruction 
there is um, a, a violation of that going on with the schools and has been. And the reason why they've been allowed to do that is because Annie Bashirs has suspended the amendment and the, uh, based upon the recommendation of the Department of Education, he suspended, I'm sorry, the statute that requires schools to be in person. And so what... What happened on February 1st? Well, HB1, SB1, and SB2 passed, and that took away the the ability for the the governor to suspend statutes. So that statute expired. They've been in violation of the law now since February 1st with not opening the schools. Every time we post about the schools, I see a lot of people talking about close the schools down, I hate the schools. Listen, just shut up. Just shut up about that stuff. I know that's really severe and everything else but right now what we're talking about is getting kids back in the school and the reason why i'm saying shut up about all that is because it is a part of the kentucky state constitution that school funding has to take place you have to have in our constitution it states that there has to be public funding of schools it will not change anytime soon because you literally in order to change that amendment you have to have a state amendment vote on it okay that won't change for two freaking years all right so you can this is not an opportunity to shut down public schools because you have to change the constitution on the flip side of it you are still going for those two years to be paying your taxes okay and also the amendment to file bills hasn't occurred so it's not going to happen and now there are some school choice bills of sorts in there and i think if you want to see a, a monopoly broken on schools or you want to get get more privating privatizing of schooling going on and there's a good argument for that i think there's a great opportunity and great chance to do that and there's some bills currently circulating that will do that and that's fantastic and and there's some ways to um, address that issue however uh, uh, right now what we're talking about is school funding and the bottom line is is you may think home Homeschooling is a way to go and more power to you. However, you are ignoring other people's situations. You're also ignoring the fact that you and your tax dollars, you know half of all tax dollars in the entire state, above half, if you add in property tax, but half of the general fund goes to the SEEK fund, which is the education fund. Half of your tax dollars to this state go to the public schools, and they're closed right now. So if you're going to be paying for it, you might as well actually get kids that are learning and passing. I understand they're indoctrination centers, and I hear you, and I understand that, and I get where you're coming from. And if you've built your life around homeschooling, great. However, some of us have jobs, have businesses, uh, are single parents possibly, or have custody issues and custody situations, right, that limit us from being able to homeschool, okay? So I hear you on that. However, when it bills out there that's keeping kids out of school, and which is leading to a 100% increase and suicide, which is leading to um, failing grades, which is leading to our, our child mental health system being overwhelmed and unable to have 72-hour holds, which is leading to all this hurt. That isn't the time for great sweeping change for you to not, um, for, for us to get rid of public schools and everything else. What it's time to do is just get them back in the school so we can keep working away at, at a system that works better for our kids and gets better results and, and, and can fix it. And I hear you. And I, like I said, I know it was really severe and I'm saying, hey, shut up about that. But I'm just tired of seeing that on a bill where you're like, good, leave those indoctrination centers closed. You're paying $16,000 a student in Fayette County right now. And they're not doing anything. They're not learning anything. Don't you at least want to get something for your money? And if you think they're not being indoctrinated while they're on the computer or whatever else, you are incorrect. You are so wrong. My son's teacher threatened to send social workers to people's houses yesterday, okay? You are incorrect on, on, 
all of that. It is still happening. But here's the bottom line. Not all of us have a private school or homeschool option that is actually easily and readily available to us. Not because we need babysitters, but because we built our lives around an idea that our kid is in school from this time to this time. We have built our lives around the idea that my kid goes to school. If, if, if everybody has their own awakening into the, the, the public schools, bad schools, whatever situation at their own time. And for me, I'd rather, knowing that we're paying $16,000 a student, I'd rather get, they get the best education we can get them rather than sitting here squabbling over whether or not schools should be opened or closed uh, as far as on a philosophical standpoint. And that's part of the problem is you can't let philosophy get in the way of getting things done. And sometimes you just got to get things done. And we're seeing kids kill themselves, and you're just as bad as they are if you're willing to let kids continue to kill themselves so you can get accomplished the policy proposals you want to get accomplished. Instead, let's get the kids in school. Let's get them learning. Let's stop them from failing. Let's stop them from shooting themselves or killing themselves or shooting up things or whatever it is that that the suicide attempts that they're doing. Let's stop that from happening. Let's get them in the schools and get them learning like they're supposed to. Now, what does HB 208 do that gets in the way of this? Well, HB 208 is a funding bill of sorts, <laughs> which is what all the reps thought they were voting. They thought they were just voting to fund the schools. Why do the schools need a vote to be funded? Well, this is why. They have have been in violation of the law since February 1st. So therefore, they shouldn't receive funding from the SEEK fund, which makes up about half of the amount of money they get per student for the last 25 days. They shouldn't get funding for it based upon that law. So HB 208 was introduced to get them funding and to keep them funded. And additionally as well, they have a problem because they've lost in cities like Lexington and Louisville where they have a lot of public school options. And as well, you also have some homeschooling going on. They've lost a good chunk of students. They would have lost a lot more if private schools had more room and could have taken more of them. But they've lost a good chunk of students. So their problem with them losing a good chunk of students is they have a funding issue. Also, they have a funding issue because, like I said, they've been in violation of the law. Technically, they shouldn't get funding for the last 25 days. So they need this bill out bailout bill to keep them funding. Now what the bill has in it, and it was proposed by Regina Huff, and she'll keep arguing with us about it even though we have evidence exactly what it does that I'll get to in a second, and, and I can read the bill. I can see the text. I know what it says, okay? And so what she says it says is that it's, um, is it is a funding bill for that, but what it also allows is schools to remain NTI only if they want to. Now, her defense to this is to say, well, it's up to the boards to decide. It's been up to the boards this entire time to decide. It's always been up to the boards, and they haven't gone back yet, and they're not going to go back yet because, well, they're starting to go back now because of the SB1 issue, which we'll get into in a second, and the judge and the and the governor's ruling, we'll get into that in a second, but they, they do not get to make a choice. They don't get to. The school board lost its ability to make decisions about NTI or not during COVID when they kept listening to school unions instead of listening to teachers instead of listening to students instead of listening to their parents instead of listening to them and recognizing the situation and the problem they have lost their ability to continue to be on the school board to for the school board to keep making that decision they don't get to anymore in Fayette County and and Jefferson County especially where my kid hasn't been to school in a freaking year okay so you don't get to make that decision anymore. Well, HB 208 gives them the ability to make that decision. They say, well, they got to ask the commissioner of education for permission. They've been getting permission this entire time from the governor's office and the commissioner to stay uh, uh, closed. So I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. So putting that to the side. 
but if they have over uh, a case count of 25 per 100,000. Fayette County right now has over that case count, right now. So Fayette County could still be NTI only under the HB 208 bill. <clears throat> Evidence that it keeps the schools closed if they choose to, if they choose to, is that there is a pending lawsuit right now in Boone County uh, regarding getting the schools open. The lawyer just the other day, and I'll post this to our page here in a bit, uh, yesterday responded to that attorney in that case, Chris Weiss, and said, because of the passing of HB 208, I'm going to ask out of the house, I'm going to ask for this case to be put on hold because it allows schools to remain nti only that's what it does if it didn't do it it wouldn't be being used in a court case to fight to keep the schools closed that's what it does that's what it does stop trying to lie about it stop trying to argue about it and when reps and when we tell reps this is what it does they go oh my god i thought i was voting on a funding bill reps don't read their own bills they don't read the statues they have no clue what the bills do what their repercussions for their actions are they have no clue because there's hundreds of bills through all the time and they don't read them they don't even write their own bills they have somebody that writes these bills special interest groups come to the reps and say for an example let's say i'm a small business interest group which Though I'm not a lobbyist or anything else, I obviously have a vested interest in small business. Those reps and those senators have voted on words I have wrote in bills, okay? And, and they have voted on those words because that's who writes them. The people who have interest in it and understand the issue write the bills. Now, who wrote this bill? KDE did, Kentucky Department of Education. In fact, they spent $75,000 lobbying for HB 208 alone, all right? And so anyways, they spend this money and they wrote this bill, Huff puts it forward, she either doesn't understand what it does, she understands exactly what it does, and she's lying about it, but she keeps coming onto our page to argue with us about it, she's just lying, we can see it, it's playing out in court cases already, the argument, it's a bad bill, it can prevent schools from going back if the board so chooses, it's killing a court case to order open schools, and at this point, we, we brought this up the first time around, and one day, the house got 26,000 calls on HB 208 to not pass it without amendments two and four. They passed it yesterday with amendments five. They didn't listen and now they pay the price because I was willing to allow the schools to have their, their funding bailout, but I want my kid back in school. But instead, instead they have decided to not pass without amendments. So you know what? Now we're gonna try to kill the bill. Now the school has made their bed, they can lay in it. Those special interest groups, they've made their bed, they can lay in it. This is what happens when you don't listen to the voters, is you, they rise up and they say, kill the bill now because you didn't pass it with the correct amendment. So, we need to be emailing our reps and emailing um, Max Weiss, the chairman of the Senate committee, saying kill the bill. It keeps my kid out of school if they choose. If the school chooses to, it will keep them out of school. Okay, so we need to kill the bill. That's what it does. The reps that voted yes on it had no clue what they were voting on. Don't believe me, message me. Mess I'm sorry, message me. Message them and say, why did you vote on HB 208, which allows my kid to stay out of school and allows my kid to be NTI only? And what they'll respond with is, it's a funding bill. And then show them Amendment 5 that says if, the, the, if, if an area has above a 25 per 100,000 uh, case count, so, so, so that means in your town of 10,000, if you have three cases, <laughs> that's about 25,000, right? Yeah, 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 okay. If, yeah, if you have three cases in your town of 10,000, your kids are now not going to school either if they so choose, all right? So 
email them about it. Ask your personal rep, why did you vote yes on this? And what they'll respond with is, is I thought I was voting on a funding bill because that's what they were told it was because they were lied to by special interest groups and by reps that are controlled by special interest groups like Regina Huff. And they have no idea what they just passed. They have no idea why everybody's upset about it because they don't read the darn things. We've read it. We've told you what's in it. You can go read it yourself. It's in plain English. What it exactly does, what it exactly says, the repercussions of it are already being felt in the court cases to get the schools back. I'll post that in a bit. It needs to be killed. You need to email and call and say and give a message to old Max over there. And I've posted about it earlier today and said, kill this bill. Kill it. It can't continue. Now, probably might even still pass. A lot of people are saying, you know, we keep doing all these things and they're not listening. Do they not care or anything else? Listen to me. Look at me. Why would they care right now what you have to say? Who gets them elected right now? Who does? The establishment gets them elected. What gets them elected is the establishment. Most of these people haven't faced a damn primary opponent in five terms, some of them. Three terms, two terms. A lot of them didn't have a primary opponent at all. They're not used to a primary opponent. They're used to general elections. And what they're used to is the establishment protecting them and getting them reelected. Politicians listen to who gets them elected. You don't show up in primaries. You don't vote. You don't knock against them. You don't get them replaced with somebody in a primary. The establishment is the one who protects them. The establishment is the one who gets them elected. They're not going to listen to you. What we're doing right now is we're training dogs. Okay? Don't mean to offend any politicians out there. There's a lot of good ones, I'm sure. Okay? But there are also some bad ones. And what happens when your dog goes on the carpet? You rub their nose in it. And you beat their butt with a rolled up newspaper. That's what you do, right? So this is what we're doing. We are training politicians. They have never faced repercussions for their actions. Stop losing hope and giving up and thinking, well, it's two years off. I'm never going to do anything. Just stop that because that's what they plan on. They plan on you being out of it in two years. They plan on being able to make these decisions with no repercussions, not facing any for it. And that is not going to happen. We're training them. They're not going to listen to you this year a whole lot. They're not going to listen to us next year a whole lot either. But come 2022, if we drop five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them and get them out of office and replace them with people who are going to fight for the things, for the people who got them elected, and if you notice, it's the newer reps who tend to fight for their constituents because those are the ones who got them elected, not the establishment because the establishment hasn't been there. And when they're replaced, and when we've rubbed their nose in it, and we've beat their butts with the rolled up newspaper, you're going to see a lot more of these reps start to fall in line. It's going to be a lot easier to get bills done passed. It's going to be a lot easier to kill certain bills. It's going to be a lot easier to get amendments done. So it's all a part of a, a plan, I guess you could say. It's not a grand plan. It's not particularly special. It's not on the table. It's really simple. They do something bad. They get punished for it. They've never been punished for anything they've done wrong before. And we're standing by and we're going to do it. We've created the financial vehicles, such as a foundation and a in order to be able to legally raise funds to run against them to to push these people out of office and we will stay committed i'm very stubborn i stay very committed to what i set my sights on and i tell you this much if i say i will not stop till you are out of office i will not stop till you are out of office you will always have to deal with me being there i hold grudges really well it's weird not so much grudges as much but i i just i when I see somebody do something wrong and I say, I'm going to do this, I do it. That's what it is.
And so, yes, you're going to keep seeing bad things happen. You're going to keep seeing them ignore us. You're going to keep seeing them not pay attention to what we're doing because they've never been punished before. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to get it done. We're going to get them punished. We're going to get them out of office. We're going to replace them with people who are going to do the right thing. They're going to stand by their values. I'm going to start replacing them with people that don't care if they get reelected or not because they're going to stick by their values no matter what happens. We need principled people in office. We need to get these people out that are only listening to leadership. But once again, if you were in office and leadership was the one who was getting you in there, that's who you'd listen to because they're the ones getting you reelected. Don't leave the party. I know I see a lot of things on there from people saying, oh, leave the party, everything else. You can't vote in the primaries if you leave the party. Until we change a lot of things like ranked choice voting, straight ticket voting, things like that, there is, there, there is not really an option, there's not really a good option for anybody to be able to get in there and make some real change done through these third parties in Kentucky. There just, there just isn't because there's those giant barriers to entry. There just is, okay? Plus, if, if, if I say this much, if you, look at, if you look at a platform and you agree with it, that's your party. Any party, you mean to tell me if this one party over here got into office and, and raised up and got all this power and everything else, suddenly they'd fix everything. They're not going to follow their platform either unless you hold them accountable. That's what we need to do. We need to hold people accountable. This is the season where we tell them what they want. And if they don't listen to us come election season, that's when we punish them. Stand by. Don't get disheartened. Keep calling. Keep emailing. Because we want them to know. When they get removed from office, you want them to know you're a part of it. Keep calling. Keep emailing. And then when you're a part of removing that person from office, you email them. You say, I was a part of that. Remember when I told you not to do something? You should have listened.